Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited for today's podcast on the leadership habit. I am so excited to bring back to our podcast, Andy Bounds, who is actually one of Crasscom's most impactful, funny, and popular subject matter experts. He has helped thousands of our students improve their communication skills. He's a communication expert who's helped some of the world's largest and most famous companies to communicate better. Awarded the title of UK Sales Trainer of the Year and author of three best-selling books, he is famous for giving simple techniques that you can use immediately to improve yourself and your business. Most interestingly, to us anyway, Andy's mom is blind, and this has given him a lifetime's experience of and passion for communicating from the other person's viewpoint, something he'll help you master during this podcast as we talk about how to run more efficient meetings. Andy Bounds, every time I get to talk to you, which I wish was a ton, but it's not often, I am just so happy. You have some of the best tips that we can share at Crosscom with our leaders. And I know that you truly make the workplace a better place. It's more efficient. I'm not just saying that. It's just so fun to have you on the show because you've impacted so many of our students to be more effective communicators. And I'm excited to bring you on the podcast so more people can hear your techniques. So Andy, welcome back to the podcast. And of course, this, is, this isn't even our first podcast episode. So I'm excited to have you back today to talk about how to have and run more effective meetings. So yeah, welcome no, back to the great. show. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. It's great to be here. It's We're talking about a topic that I think is just so many people have to be like, yes, can you give me any type of tips to run more effective meetings? Because I think we're in a day and age where our time is incredibly valuable and so many of us are stressed and working our hardest, but then finding that, oh, of course, we go to another meeting that maybe could have been done as an email or it goes off track. So I am so excited to have this conversation to hopefully help give us all a little bit of sanity and time back in our workplace. So I have to ask, how do you, or actually let's jump into this. Why do we have so many bad meetings? Why do you think from your perspective, we have so many bad meetings? Well, there's a few reasons, but the biggest one after a while is the habits we get in. So we just become creatures of habit. I mean, that's how the brain works, right? It seeks to automate things all the time, which is good if you're cleaning your teeth in the morning because you don't think, oh, how do I do this again? Because your brain has automated it, knows what to do. That's fine with cleaning teeth. It's not so good if every Monday morning at nine o'clock you have a, a tedious update meeting, which always lasts an hour, which is always pointless, and everybody always hates it. Because what happens is just as you clean your teeth without thinking, you have this dreadful Monday morning meeting without thinking. And so that's the biggest problem. The habits we get, I mean, we don't question enough what we're allowing to go in our calendars. I love that. And I can totally think of those meetings where they just seem like I don't even need to pay attention because we talk about the same exact thing every single time. There's nothing, you know, new to report back. But let's get into the mechanics of it. From your perspective, what what can make a meeting bad or maybe not efficient? What What's wrong with how some people might run that? Is it just that they're on autopilot or do you have any specific ways that, you know, people are maybe not running the most effective meeting? Okay, so the easiest thing to do with that is to show you what they should be doing 
and then to talk about how they aren't doing it, right? So there are basically four steps of preparing a really good meeting. And as I run through each of these four, Jen, um, people listening to this will go, yeah, obvious, yeah, obvious, yeah, obvious, yeah, obvious. Do you do them? Maybe not so obvious. So here are the four. So if you think of a palm tree, palm, P-A-L-M. Before you go, I, I want to address, like, because I, uh-huh. I do want to address this. It's been coming up a lot. A lot of people think that when it's too obvious, it, it can't be that worth doing. Or I've been having conversations lately with some leaders that you give them the tools and they're like, well, that seems too obvious. But can we talk mm-hmm. about why leaders aren't even doing some of the obvious things and then dive into what that is from your perspective? Because yeah. I just see that a lot. And I, I hope that we can plant a seed to say, yes, it's obvious, but it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Yeah, sure. That's a good idea. It's a little bit like if people want to lose weight, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, my wife is, but one of the things I understand is you need to eat less. Yeah, I mean, we can make that more complicated if you want, but eat less is a good idea if you want to lose some weight. Now, this is not my specialism. So before everyone dials in, tell me it's not as simple as that, eating less helps. Now, we know that, but again, we're creatures of habit. I've heard people tell me they want to lose some weight, but the fact is every Friday they have pizza. And you say, well, don't have pizza on a Friday then. And they go, Andy, that's too simple. You go, no, it isn't. Just stop eating. (laughs) And it is this sense of this is such an insurmountably big problem. Clearly, there must be an insurmountably big solution to it. It just doesn't make sense to people that there can be quite a simple solution to something that's caused them problems for years. And with meetings, that's the thing. We've all been to boring meetings. In fact, many of us haven't been to a good meeting. So therefore, we think there's nothing we can do about it. Or if there is, it's going to take absolutely hours to fix. Well, no, it isn't. It will take maybe 10 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, thank you for saying that. Because I think hopefully if someone was challenging this, that they're, you know, bought into understanding, yeah, it might seem so simple, but many of us aren't doing it. And don't overcomplicate it. Okay, let's dive into it. I'm sorry. You were starting with the palm. Like, Yeah, that's right. Palm. So palm, P-A-L-M. So the four things you should prepare when you do a meeting. The first thing, the P stands for purpose. So the first thing we should think about with the meeting is what's the purpose of it? And people always go, yes, Andy, I understand that. And you go, no, purpose is what happens after the meeting. Content is what happens during the meeting. So if I was meeting with you between nine and 10 o'clock today, the first thing I should think about is not what do I want to discuss between nine and 10? Instead, I should think, what do I want us to do after 10 o'clock? All right, so what's the aim of this? And the aim is probably going to be we're going to identify some actions to do. Um, we might be making some decisions. But the reason we're meeting is not just to discuss stuff. So the first thing always is to think, what do we want to achieve after this meeting? That's the purpose. And when you know that, that should go in the meeting title. So again, if I invite you to a meeting, so when we had a call to organize what we were going to talk about on this podcast, we didn't call it Andy Bounds meeting. We called it Andy Bounds meeting to agree the content of the podcast, which means when we turn up, both you and I know what the outcome is. And a very simple rule, if you know where you're going, you've got a chance of getting there. And if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. I know it sounds obvious. Everyone's listening to it. It sounds obvious. Here's some homework for everyone listening to this podcast. Press pause. Go and have a look at your Outlook calendar and look at the title of every meeting in your calendar. Is it called Meeting to Agree 
and then what the purpose is, the outcomes of it, or is it called meeting or update or catch up or discussion about? So I know it's obvious, but nobody does it. That's the first step. That's the P. The A, once you know the P, the purpose, you work backwards and you think, Jen, given that we want to achieve this outcome, the purpose, what are the smallest, what are the fewest number of things we need to put on the agenda? All right, how short can we make this thing? So we don't think what needs to go on there. We think what's the fewest things that have to go on there. So let's say you and I were having a meeting and we've agreed the purpose of the meeting is to make a decision about Project 12. Are we going to continue it or not? So the meeting is called Meeting to Make the Go, No-Go Decision with Project 12. That's what the meeting's called. If you work back from that, the agenda items are reason we should continue. Next one, reason we should stop. Next agenda item, therefore our decision is. And final agenda item, so what are our actions then? I know it sounds really easy, but people just don't do this, right? So we think, what's the purpose? And we work back to work out what the agenda is. So that's the P, that's the A, purpose, agenda, Wait, purpose, I agenda. just have to say, to even, because you're, I, I really appreciate this. And for I, as a person that has sat in many of those meetings where they have not been effective, I love that even slight adjustment into our North Star, our orientation, because I've been to general meetings where we actually want to make a decision on something, but because they're too open-ended, we then don't even actually accomplish what we set out to accomplish. We are just, you know, oh, we're talking about this, but then by the time we end it, we actually, again, didn't do anything or drive any further to making a specific decision because it allowed too much discourse that got us off track and then it got emotional and then it got blank. And so I can relate to that of how many meetings just feel like a waste of time because I don't even know what the North Star was. What are we trying to do here? What are we getting to? God, I feel like you just saved that. people's That's such like a nice saving. way to put it. And it's partly that North Star, the overall North Star. And then also it's it's things like the individual agenda items as well. So you just said then we talk about things too much. And one of the reasons we talk about them too much, if you look at a standard agenda in a meeting, either there isn't one at all, you know, so there's no map whatsoever of where we're going in our car. Well, that seems a bit daft, right? Um, But if there is an agenda, what happens is the words people tend to use in the agenda, Jenna, just like you've said there, they use words like discuss and update and review and download and whatever it might be. And all those words have one thing in common. They're talking about the thing we're doing. We're discussing, we're uploading, we're downloading, whatever it might be. And the thing that matters isn't the thing we're doing, the discussion, is the outcome of that discussion, which is going to be the agreement. I mean, which of these two agenda items are going to work better? Discuss Project 12 or agree whether we're going to do Project 12 or not. Yeah. And so a very simple thing that people can do, yes, get your purpose right, put it in the title, and then do the agenda. But every single agenda item should talk about the outcome of that agenda item. So we don't say we're going to discuss Project 12. We say we're going to agree whether we're doing Project 12 or not. We don't say we're going to update with Project 13. We say we're going to agree our main priority for Project 13 for next month. So as the team, as the sorry, as the meeting owner, you think, what is my outcome here of every single thing? And that's the thing that goes in the agenda. 
And straight away, that gets away from this discussion because the meeting owner says, OK, everyone, we're up to meeting um, agenda item number two now. It's about project 13. And what we're now going to agree is what our main priority is for the next month. And by putting it in the agenda, it means the chairperson introduces the topic in the right way. And basically, you stop this ridiculous meandering around because you know what you're trying to achieve, right? Yeah, well, and you feel better. Like, I think even in terms of the value that I could provide in a meeting where it has that direct, like I as an individual feel like I likely was a more impactful contributor to that than just having this open-ended. So Andy just shared with you a preparation checklist, essentially, that he's giving you palm. Yes, I'm with Andy. Write it down. Start to look at this. Think about where do you want to go? What's your agenda? And what is the outcome that you're specifically looking for instead of just doing this recurring meeting the exact same way every single time? All right, hit me with the next two, Andy. Okay, right, here we go. I love the, the fact there'll be some complete finishers listening to our thing and thinking, Andy, if you don't tell me what the L and M stands for, I'm going to turn violent. So let me answer this question now. The L stands for this. Once you know the purpose and you've worked backwards and thought, how can we make the agenda what we need for that purpose? The L stands for limit the time. And by that, I mean, now I know what the agenda item is. I think, how quick can I make this meeting? And I have a very simple rule, Jen, that when I'm doing these things, try and avoid meetings that are a multiple of 30 minutes. Now, everyone has meetings in for 30 minutes or 60 minutes. There's various reasons, habits, it's what Outlook is split up into, whatever it might be. And I just love that default of don't assume it's going to be 30 and 60. Assume it's going to be 20 and 45. You know, if you think when I look at the agenda, oh, we can do that in 10 minutes, set the meeting for 10 minutes. Now, this is one of those things that people will hear and go, that's too easy. It can't make a difference. Let me give some math, Jen. If I did that every day, so I turn a one hour meeting into 45 minutes, that I would save, I think, 15 minutes a day. If you save 15 minutes a day, if you do that every day for a week, you'd save over an hour. All right. If you save over an hour in a week, well, over the year, an hour a week is about 40 or 50 hours. If you do one hour a week for 40 or 50 weeks, that's 40 or 50 hours over a whole year. Well, that's a working week. So just think about this. If you can save one hour a week, which you really can by doing this, one hour a week equates to one working week a year. If you can save two hours a week, you've saved yourself a fortnight that you would have spent in meetings that you would have hated. Oh my gosh. That, you know, when you say that, it it triggers Harvard Business Review did a study where they looked at an organization, pulled 1,600 leaders people leaders and ask them how much true thinking time they actually had or true focus time they mm -hmm. had in a week. And they reported that they rarely, if ever, get one to two hours of true thinking time. And so when you're sharing that, here's a full week. If you want people to think about their problems or, you know, solve problems in a different way, people are missing out on focus time. So this is what you can give them back. Like that's the connection that I just made is here's your hour. And now we can give people some time back to actually do the heavy work that we're all craving. Yeah. What a great way to put it, because the purpose of this is not just to save time for time's sake. It's to save time so we can do something else with it. Um, yeah, feel more valued. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. And actually do your job, you know. Um, I'll talk a bit about time management later. I have a little hint for you about that as well. But before I do that, complete the finishes. I'm going to do the M now. 
Let's the do it. M for Pam. So P is purpose, A is agenda, L is limit time, M is minimize attendees. So you want as few people there as possible. Um, there's a misconception in the business world. If I need a swift decision, I need to bring in everyone who might have an impact on that decision. But it gets mathematically harder to make a decision the more people you have in the room. For example, if you and I are meeting, Jen, there's just two of us. So if you like, there's one pair of people. So there's just one pair of us needs to agree. If I invite one of my friends and you invite one of your friends, we've now got four people. So you think, well, that probably means there's three or four pairs. There's not actually now, there's six. Because I need to agree with you and with my friend and with your friend. And you need to agree with my friend and your friend. And our friends need to agree. That's six pairs of people. That's when there's four. If you get eight people in the room, there are something like 28 individual pairs. And so even if most of us agree, if person three hates person six, then they're going to disagree anyway. So proportionately, the more people you have in the room, your meeting will take longer. You end up trying to satisfy lots of people and you think it's the meeting of great minds. It's actually deciding by committee. And that's why they say a camel is what a horse would look like if it was designed by a committee. Yeah. So you want, <laughs> ideally, as few people in as you can. You can see it, right? You go, hold on. What yes, happens if the horse gets thirsty? I'll give it a couple of uh, humps. That'll do. What happens if it needs to walk across the desert? Okay, well, let's do it. Ridiculous. <laughs> I I just appreciate the way that you call it like you see it in terms of how, because we can all relate to that, like coming up with a camel when you're trying to draw a horse. I imagine, and again, I'm not a, you know, I imagine that people that might struggle with the minimizing attendees might be newer leaders because they want more people in the room. They want to make sure they're making the right decision. And they think by doing that, they're going to get the fabulous minds. Um, so I see that as a trap for new leaders. Uh, and I'm curious, how would you advise them to minimize that? Do you have any ways that you would look at, hey, here's how you could actually cut someone? Because I think sometimes we think, I don't want to make someone feel bad. I want to make sure they feel included in this. Um, what would be a guideline that you might use to say, these are the people that should be in the meeting? Okay, right. So, I mean, the first thing is, if you are new and you want to make sure that you set off on the right foot, it's great time. You are moldable now as a new leader. But six months down the line, you will have got into habits, okay? So if you set off in the wrong direction, you'll end up cementing that wrong direction. So I know it can be hard if you're a new leader, but now is the best time. There'll be plenty of people listening to this who've been leading for 15 years and thinking, I really need to unpick 15 years of work here. So if you've been a leader for 15 minutes, you do have that advantage. So what can you do? Well, firstly, you identify there are basically three types of people. Um, decision enablers, so people who can help you make the decision. Yeah. Subject matter experts, they're people who you probably don't need to help make the decision, but maybe the in-house attorney needs to come in and tell you the legal um, issues arising. And then there's everybody else. Yeah. So you've got the decision makers, you've got the subject matter experts, and you've got everybody else. Some of everybody else, you might want to inform what's going on, and then it's nothing to do with anybody else. And so what I love about this is when I'm setting up a meeting, the people I want in that meeting are the decision makers, the people I need to make the decision, nobody else. If I need a subject matter expert, I will give them a good brief beforehand, say, we're 
making a decision. We're agreeing whether to do Project 12 or not. There's legal impact of this. Please, can I ask you to run the first 15, 20 minutes of the meeting to make sure everyone understands the legal impact if we do and if we don't. You could take any questions and then feel free to dial away because then we can make the decision once you've given your input. So if you like, the decision makers are there the whole time. The subject matter experts are there just for when they're needed. And for everybody else in the entire world, Jen, I will either send them the actions arising afterwards and or I'll speak to them up front and say, so, you know, we're having a meeting about whether we're agreeing to do Project 12 or not. It's not something that I need to take your time to attend. I'd love to know your views on it because I'll incorporate them in the meeting. And so you can see I'm being very collegiate. I'm being very friendly. But ultimately, the only people at the meeting, because of my M, minimize people, are the people who have to be there to make the decision and have to be there for a bit to give me the specialist knowledge I need. Everybody else can have actions arising. Yes, I love that guideline. And I also love the kind of framework of how we can position that. Hey, I my goal as a leader is to minimize the amount of meetings that we want to attend or that we have to attend. I want to give you your time back. We're going to be making this decision. Love to hear your insights on it. That's what this meeting is for. I yeah. think that part is important or maybe it's just my when I was in my 20s, I used to sometimes feel sensitive to not being included to some meetings because I felt like they didn't want it and maybe I'm talking to that self that needs to hear, "Hey, it's to give you back time, Jen." That's why you're not here. It's not personal. You can say it really nicely as well. And you can say, you know, I mean, if you want to come along, um, I would suggest probably not this one. Um, However, I really want to know what you think. And I promise I'll send you the actions arising. And if you want to be part of it going forward, let me know. So you can say it in absolutely charming ways. Now, of course, with any rule, it's more like a guideline than a rule. Someone will always be able to say, Andy, I've got a member of my team called Jemima and that wouldn't work with her. Okay, well, don't do it with Jemima then. But the general rule is, or the general guideline is, decision makers for all the meeting, specialists for there for the specialist part of the meeting, and everybody else manage them gently to make sure that, you know, to make sure that you keep their motivation high. But again, I love that phrase then, how you said, you know, I want to make sure that People don't attend meetings that they don't want to or they can't really contribute to for whatever reason. So no need to come to this one. But please here, I'm going to send you the actions. Perfectly fair thing to say. And you're a leader. You know, you might be nervous, but sometimes you've got to put on your big boy or girl pants. You sometimes just have to have these conversations. Otherwise, your team is leading you. And that's not any good to anybody anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Crosshelm is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crestcom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crestcom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crestcom.com.
I know I love everything you talked about with Palm, purpose, agenda, limited time, minimize attendees. Now I know another special hatred in your heart or soft spot in your heart is how to make meetings more interesting, Mm -hmm. specifically your favorite meetings, which are the update meetings. What are your tips? (laughs) Yeah, let's hear it. Vent it out. Tell me your, tell me your hatred towards update. I I just can't even, I'm getting crossed. (laughs) You mentioned the word update. Um, Okay. So two things there, update meetings and how to make meetings interesting. Let's have a look at update meetings. You are right, Jen. I hate update meetings. They are the most boring history lessons I've ever been to. So what happens? Me and you and all our friends, we rock up. You tell me what you did last week. I don't care. Then Jemima, I don't even like Jemima. And then Jonathan tells me what he's been doing. I don't care. I can't stand them. Now, it's not that I want to know nothing about them. And I do want to foster a team spirit but I don't need a 10-minute download accompanied by slides with someone I don't even like. But just, hey, sorry. Okay, I'm calm now, Jen. Thank you for letting me vent. Now, <laughs> you can do what you like with update meetings. My favorite way to do it is this. Um, best next help in 30. So I'll start with the 30. What happens? Get people together, if you must, for an update meeting. And you give each person 30 seconds maximum. And in those 30 seconds, they have to do an update which summarizes what I call best next help. So best, they say what is the best thing they've achieved since the last best next help or update meeting. So what's the best success they've had? Next is what is the next priority they've got for the forthcoming days, weeks, months? And help, is there anything they need help with? So best next help. So let's do really simple maths here, Jen. Me, you, and our two friends. So there's four of us having an update, or as we're now going to call them, a best next help meeting. Four of us. Each of us have only got 30 seconds. So four lots of 30 seconds is two minutes. So two minutes from now, we know our four people's best successes of the last week, our four people's next priorities for next week, and four things that each of us need help with. Over the next few minutes, we can, let's look at the bests. We can learn from each other. So you tell me an amazing email you sent, which got a fantastic reaction from a customer. And I say, Jen, what was in your email? Please, could you send it to me? Let's leverage each other's best. That's great. And then we look at the next and make sure we're aligned and make sure that, okay, so you wanted to do that. I wanted to do that. Are they in conflict? Do either of us need to change anything? And then finally, we look at the helps. Jen, you wanted help with this. I've got an answer for you about that. Let's take it offline. We don't need to deal with it here, but I can help you with that. Now, if you do a best next help, you spend in our meeting two minutes, everyone sharing stuff, maybe five or 10 minutes leveraging the bests, aligning on the nexts and helping with the helps. And then we close the meeting and it's 15 minutes and it's high value and everyone's learned good things they can copy. They've aligned on next week. They've got the help they need. They feel they've contributed because they've helped other people as well. And everybody likes that. Or... You could have the one-hour update meeting where Jemima, t- I can't stand it, right? So best next help, 30 seconds. Well, and I feel like that is an amazing, that's a, such a great formula. And from the other side, what I hear is people actually learning the skill of tightening their communication, that we don't have that. So you're getting that up-level skill of knowing how to condense it, to get to your main messages, to make it easier to actually understand or process and know what you're saying. So I love the duality of that, like the efficiency, but then also helping you develop that skill of tightening your communication. Beautiful. So, and 
Oh, sorry, God. can I just say one thing? You've reminded me then. So you said duality. I don't know what it means if there are three benefits, but here's a trial. Oh, anyway, <laughs> a third benefit, right? Um, if you like Bassinet's help, you can use it as one-to-ones with your team as well. So rather than calling it one-to-one, again, you can call it Bassinet's help. So if you and I were working together, clearly you would be my leader because obviously you're way more important than I am. So, and I'm your person in your team. So what happens when we have our one-to-one, we call it best next help. And I have to bring my 30 second summary of what I think in the last month has been my best, my next and my help. But also you prepare for the meeting, Jen, as my leader by preparing what you think has been my best thing and what you think ought to be my next thing and what you wonder if it's the thing I need help with. So both of us come with our perspectives of me I bring what I think, you bring what you think. So yes, it forces us to focus well, but it also shows how aligned we are. Because if we think the same thing, that's cool. You can do something with that as a leader. And if you think wildly different best next helps, that's also cool because that helps you as a leader as well, right? And it makes sure that you're both seeing things and you understand other people's perspectives and so on. I love best next help. I tell you what I think. You tell me what you think about me. And then we can compare notes. I love that. And it sounds really efficient, or I should say the time savings, even in terms of the thinking time that I required. Best Next Help is going to help you at least take two minutes to think about what meeting you're going into. And I love how fast that can be as a reference point. So for the people, which are a lot, that don't actually take time to think about the meetings before, Best Next Help is a beautiful way to make that a really tight thinking time. Now, one of the things that we had talked about in our pre-call, I brought up to you is that a lot of people struggle with how they set expectations with others. And they create those moments of misery because people are not meeting expectations. They feel like their time was wasted. And I'm curious your tips on how leaders can actually set better expectations. And because I know that the best next help will at least drive that focus and the clarity around Mm -hmm. their message. But any tips around how we can properly or more effectively set expectations? Yeah. So there's lots of things that you can do with this, but there are two things I always want to focus on, the what and the how. So what is it that I am wanting from you as a leader? And also, how do I want you to do it? Now, it doesn't mean I have to impose these things. This is what I want and this is how I want it done. It could be I say something like this. Jen, I would like us to get much closer to customer number 12, right? We're not as close to customer 12 as we were like. And I'd love, Jen, for you to have a look at how we might be able to do that. So that's what we want, right? Um, I'd love to hear your views, Jen, on a piece of work that maybe you could run or you could reflect on that would help us do that. So I'd love to hear your views. So as a leader, what you can do is you can be clear on the what and clear on the how, either because you say this is what I think and ask your colleague, or you say to your colleague, what do you think we could do? Let me know. But in effect, I'm saying agree as much as you can up front. And this is really key. Agree as much as you can up front. And then, and this is the thing many leaders get wrong, I think. A day or two later, like really soon afterwards, have a quick check-in call with them to see what their current thinking is. It's what I call my skeleton call. So if I've asked you to do some work for me, a day or two from now, I'll say, we'll have a quick call, Jen, and I want you to give me your skeleton. Like, how are you going to approach this? What are you doing? First, second, third, fourth. I don't want any flesh on your skeleton at all, all right? I just want to know overall how you're going to approach this. And so I find that giving a better brief with the what and the how 
And then very soon after it, having a skeleton call to say, what's your current thinking? Once we've got that, you can, and we agree on that, the skeleton's right, you're going to find your expectations are more likely to be correct. But I find that if you don't do that, I've seen so many leaders say to their very eager member of their team, do a presentation that we can deliver to customer 83. And their very diligent colleague comes back with an 85-slide deck. And it's not what the leader wants at all. And the diligent team member is so demotivated by the fact they didn't deliver what was wanted. And they put in so much work. And then you get confirmation bias and go, but this is why I did the 85 slides. And it becomes very awkward. And the challenge there was there wasn't enough of a skeleton chat after the initial brief. Because if the diligent worker had come back and said, this is the skeleton I'm thinking, looking at this, it's going to be about 85 slides long. You can then stop it then before the flesh has been added. Yeah. Yeah. So having some sort of what and how brief, and then a day or two later, a skeleton catch up, that pretty much eliminates the risk of big problems. Yes. And for those that might be listening to this saying, I have to schedule another conversation after this meeting. Assuming you actually, well, but assuming you practice even the things that you've talked about today, Palm and Best Next Help, you gave a lot in terms of how they can tighten their communication to save time. So if you're doing those things on the upfront or actually preparing for it, you will have plenty of time to have a four minute conversation with someone on a skeleton meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And how would you apply palm to the skeleton meeting? It will be put, the purpose will be meeting to agree the skeleton for the, the, the agenda would be you share what you've got. We discuss feedback. You take the feedback. Right? The limit, the time, five minutes, 10 minutes, minimum attendees, me and you. You know, it just doesn't take very long. But if you hadn't heard palm, you put that in for 30 minutes in a calendar that was already full. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're giving time back to people. So you you shared so many insights as I knew that you would. And again, thank you so much for taking your time. Based on everything that we've discussed, what would be the top, you know, one to three things that you would recommend someone doing today when they're done listening to this podcast to be more effective in terms of managing their meetings and also making sure that their communication makes sense? Okay, so uh, three things I'm going to give you. The first one is something we've sort of talked about, but is a bit new. And then the other two are repeats of what we just said. So the first thing is this. Time management means the same as calendar management. And what I mean by that is the things that go in our calendar are the things we have time to do. So you and I are both very busy people. But in many ways, do we even have time to do this podcast? But yet here we are because it went in our calendars. So what's in our calendar is the things we have time to do. So if you look at your calendar... That will tell you what you're going to spend your time doing next week. It might be a good idea. It might be a bad idea. But I'll tell you what, that's what you'll be doing. So the stuff that goes in the calendar is the things where we spend our time. So my first strong suggestion for people is look at last week's calendar and think, how much of my time really did I waste there? You know, Look at all the individual things you did, like that meeting on Monday, which you hated and you always hate. Like that was a waste of an hour. Then the presentation at four o'clock. You didn't even need to go to that. Like be quite harsh on yourself, but just look at last week. I guarantee two minutes saves two hours. If you spend two minutes reviewing last week's calendar, you'll find at least two hours you didn't need to spend. 
Okay, that one hour meeting could have been 45 minutes, that, 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 that. All right. So two minutes saves two hours. That's the first thing. And that is very empowering, Jen, right? That's the first thing to do. Second thing to do, look ahead at next week's calendar and improve everything that's in there. Anything that you think that Monday morning meeting, that's going. That presentation, I'm declining it. That meeting which I've set up, which is currently called Update, I'm now going to change it to Best Next Help and make it 15 minutes. That meeting I've called Project 12 meeting, I'm going to change it to Meeting to Agree, Go slash No Go with Project 12. So it's almost like look at next week and change everything. Apply a palm filter to everything that's in there. Okay? So number one, review last week, two minutes to save two hours. Number two, look at next week and improve your calendar. And number three, you will get some time saving. Put things in your calendar that you should be spending time doing. If you aren't preparing for meetings because you're running out of time, put some time in your calendar. Prepare for meetings. If you work in sales and you get to the end of a week and you forgot to ask for some referrals because you ran out of time, then put an entry in your calendar which says ask for some referrals. If you're a team leader that doesn't have enough one-to-ones with their team, then start putting one-to-ones in your calendar. You'll probably call it best next help. So the three things are review last week, two minutes to save two hours. Number two, improve next week. And then number three, start putting things in your calendar you should be doing. And I guarantee if you improve your calendar, you improve your time. And if you improve your time, you improve your life. Oh my gosh, Andy, I've loved it. Slow down to speed up is the the theme that I keep hearing. If you just slow down, everything can go that much more efficiently. Andy, where can people get in touch with you? Because I know that across social media channels, you do offer a lot of different tips, a lot of ways that they can continue the journey. How can they get in touch with you? And the easiest way, I mean, there's lots of ways, but the easiest way is LinkedIn, Jen. So I post stuff most days, like just free advice. So if people want to latch on to that, that's great. Um, send me a connection request. It'd be great to meet you. Um, sometimes people hear this stuff and go, we need him in our business. But even that, if you wanted that, the easiest thing to do again is come through LinkedIn. So if you want more free advice or you want me to have a chat about how I can help your business or you just want to see what the current best practices are in the communication world, LinkedIn's easiest. And if yeah. LinkedIn isn't the best avenue for what you want, at least you'll come through to me and I'll be able to direct you the right way. And I can tell you, I know a lot of people that you've helped. Again, I'm saying this and a lot of people that actively follow you and then share your insights. So I would highly recommend following Andy on LinkedIn. Andy, thank you so much again for taking the time to hopefully give us back our sanity today by running more effective and efficient meetings. Thank you for coming back on The Leadership Habit. It was great to have you on the show today. Cool. Thanks, Jen. All the best. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. As you heard in the intro, he is funny, incredibly knowledgeable. I found so many new insights from listening. I loved the palm, um, a way of understanding that our meetings need to have a purpose, an agenda. We need to limit the time and of course, minimize attendees. But Andy shared so much there. And if you want to continue your own learning journey, you can follow and connect with Andy Bounds on LinkedIn. And of course, if Crestcom can help you in any way to develop your leadership skill sets, Andy Bounds is actually one of our subject matter experts who has videos within our curriculum. We value him so much. And he's, again, helped so many of our students improve their leadership style. 
specifically within communication. But if we can help you in any way, head on over to crosscom.com. We would love to come into your organization, give you different tool sets and frameworks that you can use to hopefully create a better workplace where everyone can thrive. And finally, share this. If you know someone that maybe is not running the most effective meetings, maybe you can give a subtle nudge and say, hey, check this out. I've got an idea for how we can actually tighten and make our meetings more impactful. Share it with them. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.